0: Here it comes. The latest people, trends, and news on sustainable living in and around our corner of the country. Down to Earth with Mrs. Green. Spotlight on the Southwest. And now, Mrs. Green.
1: Welcome, everybody. You are listening to Down to Earth with Mrs. Green's Spotlight on the Southwest. And for, night, for tonight, we're going to put the spotlight on Tucson. The name of our show is The Power of Giving, the TEP story. Joining me in studio, and you all know that I love when I have a guest in studio because it makes it more fun for everybody to tell that story and share with us information about philanthropy at Tucson Electric Power. And there's a lot to share is Wendy Erica Worden, Manager
0: of Community Investment and Philanthropy at TEP. Wendy, welcome. Thank you, Mrs. Green, and thank you so much for the opportunity, not only to share our story, but for the wonderful communication that you have with so many listeners across across our country to just talk about what is important to us about keeping our, our globe and our planet the way we want to keep it healthy and green. Thanks, it makes me happy. And I want to make sure I say Tucson Electric Power
1: because not everybody knows what TEP does, is, and I do have listeners all over the place that will be hearing this. So I think it'd be great to start with what is the overview of the philosophy or approach that TEP takes when it comes to investing, investing
0: in our community and how you go about making a difference and making sure that you are. Well, absolutely. So TEP has been here uh, in Southern Arizona for 124 years. So we actually started to provide our generation back when they actually used mesquite wood uh, to to power our generation station. I just want to say, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, what? So that gives you an idea of how invested and how deeply rooted we are in this community. And now I'm proud to say 124 years later, Tucson Electric Power Company has just in twenty 2015 completely retired all of our coal uh, here locally in Tucson and is going more towards our solar portfolios that we have and natural gas which I think is really what your listeners want to hear about is how are we how are energy companies becoming more um, responsive and uh, back to how do we engage with the community? Not only were those regulations uh, federal regulations that we had to change how we were powering our uh, our generation, but really it's what does our community expect from us? Our workers uh, you know, live here, our kids go to school here. We want beautiful, clean skies. We right. want they great, breathe the
1: same air we right. all do. We exactly. want education
0: systems. We want um, a healthy community. And when we look at our our investment strategy back into the community. That's really what we look at. How can we make a big impact in the place where we live and work and what effects are uh, the people who are your neighbors who are most likely Tucson Electric Power Company employees? So- uh, last year, uh, we sat down with the management of Tucson Electric Power Company, and I'm talking about from the very highest level. Our CEO, David Hutchins, who was uh, uh, went to school here at the University of Arizona, so he is a homegrown. has kids here is involved in the community here, uh, absolutely. Yes. So he uh, it is it is truly a a um, throughout pervasive throughout the entire community, being engaged and being a good volunteer and being a good corporate citizen. So it really starts at the top. That group got together with senior leadership and really just established the criteria. What areas would we commit our focus to being? And so we decided for last year and this year and probably several years into the future, it's really um, uh, community assistance and a focus on low income, the environment, which I'm sure will make. i all- <laughs> I want to ring some kind of bell here. Ding, ding, <laughs> it's ding, like ding ding. ding, ding, ding. Which I'm sure will make all of your listeners very happy. And then also education because we know Southern Arizona and really Arizona as a whole is not doing well when it comes to education. I want to say we're uh, probably in the bottom five, I believe, of all of the educational uh, rankings that you can that you can find. So education is a very which big really focus hurts Tucson. Well. Those well, rankings we've so got many, to we've got to do better in so many ways. Not only do it does that look at uh, the pipeline for jobs, not only for uh, companies like Tucson Electric Power and Unisource Energy, but all of our major uh, employers, the University of Arizona, Raytheon, our small business community. If we don't have an educated work. Right. Anybody coming to look, looking, taking a look is is right. not going to consider Tucson if they, if we don't do something about our education. So that is where we really looked at uh, how can we invest and make a difference. And it's
1: I mean what a way to do it. Mm-hmm. And there's there's other things. Of course, I want to talk to you about some particular programs. Sure. One of Mrs. Green's favorite, but. Another piece of your giving, which is always really in place, I have a long history here in this community—not 124 years, but about <laughs> half that now. But you really do very strategic and intentional donations, and I mean donations of computers. I know you donate trucks because I've had some of my friends in nonprofits right. that it's painted over and right.
0: it's. A tea- Heat truck office I, furniture. Uh, so, I will say, so we do do a lot, we, uh, you know, we do a lot of in kind. We actually don't do the vehicle program anymore anymore. We, yeah, we used to. That's lucky they, those uh, friends that got them. Right. And, and that's <laughs> just because how we manage our fleets have changed. And I will say, it was very impressive. I was up with some utility partners uh, to the north over uh, yesterday, and I drove up in my TEP electric vehicle, and they were all very impressive. And these are other <laughs> ule- electric utility providers. And they said, You have electric cars? And I said, Yes, our entire TEP. Fleet anything that can be electric. We is, have electric vehicles, and and we love that. Um, so we don't necessarily do do that as much, but we do in kind printing for a lot um, of nonprofit organizations. Actually, the Boys and Girls Club. We did all of the printing for their event that's coming up here in in just a it's few, few weeks. Such a huge and, expense, right? And, and we look at that as if we can help partner with you and not compete with our other businesses in town. We definitely want to make sure that right. uh, we support right. our businesses. But if it's something that we sponsor. And we can assist that nonprofit in lowering those costs, whether, as you said, whether it's office furniture or laptop computers or any of those other services that we can provide. That's what we're all about. And volunteers is another huge area where we had uh, more than 25,000 hours last year of our employee and their family time reinvested back into the community across the state. Which
1: really translates into hundreds of thousands
0: of dollars. I mean, it does. It really does when you
1: take that in-kind pieces, and I know that you have days of giving and all of that. I watch it, Mm -hmm. and I watch the TEP shirts out there. Yeah, the blue shirts. The blue shirts. But it it really, (laughs) it's another piece of that that you mentioned is when you're doing that with a nonprofit, it's saving them costs. Typically what you donate is not something that's really old, because I'm sure you have to switch things out faster, given the business that you're in. So people are getting some pretty amazing stuff, so to speak, and not having to buy it themselves. And then you do borrow things. I asked you before we went on air, do you have a big scissors for a ribbon cutting ceremony? (laughs) Because, you know, oh, call TEP. Uh, If you've got it, I know I'll be able to borrow it.
0: Right. And I will say, Gina, the thing is very important to us is... uh, you, although we are a large energy company, we always want to feel like we have that connection with our local community. So we feel that we want organizations to reach out to us. So if there is a way we can lend a helping hand, that's exactly what we want to do. We don't want to feel so corporate that we don't feel re- that, that, that our, our community can relate to us. So I think that that's an important thing to note as well.
1: And I think you mentioned it from the top down. That's servant leadership, what
0: I call servant
1: leadership, where they're a corporation. The people there I mean Kevin Larson look at I mean he I, he's I, sat on the board tell for Habit- do a shout right for
0: he, he has sat on the board for Habitat for Humanity for I don't even know how many years and then that's another great thing to to mention as well our senior leadership almost every single one of our vice presidents and our CEO sit on many boards of directors across the community Kevin Larson with uh, with Habitat for Humanity uh, Kathy Reese sits on uh, the board for the nature Conservancy. So we're really and committed. Those boards need people huge, uh, in business. Yeah. So Arizona Sonora Desert Museum, we have Eric Bakken from our environmental group. And it, it's such a great conduit for us because with our, especially with our environmental partners, we want that communication to go both ways. We don't want you know, it to, to just be an opportunity for us to, uh, you know, kind of feel like it's a top down. It is, it is definitely a, a, a mutual communication when you're on a board of directors to say, what do you need and how can we help?
1: It it all makes a difference in an imprint. So let's go back to the focus areas that you talked about, because I'd like to get a little bit more, you know, a little bit clearer about when you say that you're going to focus on low income. Can you give me a sense of what
0: kinds of projects you might be doing or you will be doing? Sure. So a, a good example would be uh, for a low income, someone like uh, Tucson Urban League, who is one of a, a very large partner of ours. Uh, people who are having problem with bill assistance, if there's they cannot pay their utility bills. Right. Uh, we have a very vibrant program that we work with them that there's a possibility for us to, um, through their programs, cover uh, uh, what their utility bills are and then either set up a plan payment plan or work with them on budgeting. And it's really an education process. They are also a big partner for us for our weatherization program where we have found that typically if people are having issues paying their bills, they have a multitude of other issues that there's a reason they're uh, disabled or they're a a veteran who hasn't been able to come back and find work or they're a senior. And in going in and and trying to work with them, we found that there were very simple things that we may be able to do, like help them uh, with uh, putting window coverings over their home or really just teaching them about their energy usage. So there's a whole uh, weatherization program Program that through the Tucson Urban League. So when we're looking at the different requests that we get for sponsorships or for engagement with those um, nonprofit partners, especially for low income, we look at how are they uh, interacting with our most critically uh, challenged uh, people in the community. And those programs that you're talking about are the very programs that are
1: helping Decrease the demand on the grid. All of your energy efficiency programs are really being felt and are measurable in this city because you're very aggressive in getting the word out, including. My mouth out there right. saying, "Do you know that there's possibilities for you to get all these retrofits uh, right. and audits and all of these things?" Well,
0: we like to joke, especially with our energy efficiency programs, that we're probably the only, uh, you know, organization in existence that encourages you to use less of our product. Um, it's it's kind of counterintuitive, but, it's, but, but counterintuitive. it's good for the planet. And it, well, but that's that's exactly <laughs> the point. Is those energy efficiency, and when people ask us why do you promote energy efficiency so much, is that it helps us manage what the energy demand is over a longer period of time, so that if you think of you know especially in, in southern Arizona in July at two o'clock in the afternoon i don't want to think about that right we, now actually <laughs> so could we pass by that one exactly if we can help our customers manage their their demand so that it 's more consistent so that we don't have to purchase power from somewhere else. Um, and and maybe uh, you know help them understand their energy usage. That helps us be a better utility provider for them as well. So it's those a energy real win-win-win. Win. I mean, it really amazing. is. Well, even the the light bulb programs that we have, we work a lot with um, Home Depot and Lowe's, where you'll go in and you'll see the little TEP energy efficiency sticker on the light bulbs to say you can save several hundred dollars a year just by replacing a lot of your uh, lighting fixtures in your home. And think about how easy. That that is to do that maybe a little bit more um, uh, higher in cost initially in the front but what you're going to be saving over the life of that light bulb in two or three years, you're you're definitely going to note, notice a lower utility bill on that. And we that's the message really when we're working with a lot of our low income uh, customers. That's what we try to, to let them know That's that, uh, that we, you can make little changes at home that really make a big difference. A lot of folks don't even realize too leaving your, um, you know, p- people think well, I'm leaving so I'm going to turn my thermostat o- you know, off so I have no cooling in my home during those times. Not a good Not decision. Not a good decision. At all. So by the time you're your, your uh, you know, your, your system is ramping back up again. It just really can't catch drain, up. Drain, 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 and and those are the type of thing. It's just it's education. And I know it's talking with our customers about. You that. You probably should only do that if you're going away for a while. Right, It would have to be a, an extended period of time because think about it, you're probably not going to shut your refrigerator off, right? So now <laughs> Hopefully you're, not. Right. Now your refrigerator is, is cycling on in a much, much warmer environment and that's not, that's not really healthy too. So working with our low income and engaging with the community is just, is just helping them understand very simple things that they can do. Even ceiling fans are an incredible thing that if you're not in a room, a ceiling fan isn't going to work. It's the feeling of that air on your skin that's that evaporation that makes you feel cool. If you know you and your family are going to be in a different room in the kitchen, turn off all the other ceiling fans and the lights.
1: And I did not know that, and I'm ashamed to say that as Mrs. Green. Yeah, but we'll now see, I do that's know that mutual I mutual it was education cooling princess. the whole no, thing no, down. No. It,
0: it, it's the evaporation of your skin um, with that cooling that makes it so. There's another trick that you want to make sure that during the uh, during the winter season your uh, ceiling fans are taking the air up, and during the summer your it's directing the air down for that reason. So that if you still want that circulation of air to keep your heating circulating currently, but you have us, to
1: reverse it. But you
0: have to reverse it so your your fan blades should be s- pulling the air up in the winter and down in the summer
1: it's really um all these really helpful tips they matter and i i've talked on the show a couple times with some of the other tep folks about when we changed out our light bulbs and we have cfls we don't have led right and i did a little video about going to lowe's and showing the subsidy the tep helps to support mm-hmm. so they're very affordable and it blows me away because in tucson i don't know if people know and Phoenix unless you live here, how hot it gets, even if you have air conditioning on. So a light bulb that's not emitting so much heat makes you feel more comfortable for reading and sitting next to it. So there's a whole ripple effect there. Sure. Okay. What about, do you strategically look for partners that have employee volunteer projects are you looking for that so it's real community involvement what's your philosophy and approach on that sure
0: so we have three separate areas really where we look at to for for the engagement one are corporate contributions uh which is that split between the uh uh, low-income uh, community assistance, the environment, and education. The other is our Grants That Make a Difference program, and we have that once a year, and we could talk about that a little bit more. Uh, but the third one, and it's the one that you mentioned, is our Community Action Team, our CAT team, which has is, is been around uh, next year will be our 25th anniversary, and again, 25,000 hours across the state last year. So that's year. where those, that is, the so, CAT team. So the CAT team is the one, and they actually, and in each one of the areas, manage their own budgets. So they're given a, a, a pool of money every year that they say, um, we want to, you know, have, we have somebody who, and we have this actually, someone who is on our, our team, um, their family member was impacted because they lost someone, a, a baby right after it was born. So it's very important to them, the March of Dimes. So that employee can work through the community action team and say, I'd like to sponsor a, a you know, a team for wow. March of Dimes. Right. They take their group and they'll go out and get uh, eight people, 17 people. We've had uh, actually up in the northern part of the state in the uh, Relay for Life White Mountain uh, relay that they have, Climb to Conquer Cancer in Flagstaff. Several hundred um, of our across the state will go up there, but it really is driven by what the employees want to engage in. Uh, We have another team uh, here locally in southern Arizona that does the meals at uh, Primavera Men's Shelter. They take, they get all the food they make all the food they go down and the sweetest thing about it Gina the kids serve the homeless folks I who are love there it. and what they found is that that it, it takes away all of these uh Uh, kind of feelings of expectations that uh, they don't want uh, to, you know, the men come in and they they get their meal. To have a little seven-year-old, you know, give you your shredded beef sandwich and your, you know, your... it, It just, it totally changes the dynamic. And then when everyone is served, the TEP volunteers get their plate and then they go sit with all of the folks who are there enjoying their meal, and they just talk to them. It's so real. Mm-hmm. It it's really so is. real. And we've had so many people tell us, our employees, how much they appreciate family events that they can take their children to, so they have an appreciation factor for not everybody gets a meal. There are people in the world, you know, people in our community who are hungry, uh, going to, to uh, uh, clothes shopping sprees that we do with several times with the Salvation Army and with the Boys and Girls Club. People have asked to bring their children so that they see kids their age that say, This is the first pair of new shoes I've ever had. And you've got Make it real. Like, make it, it make it so, it so real for them. Close and so when they go home to their closet and they open it up and they see 10 pairs of shoes in there, they think, wow, I really have a lot to be grateful for. And it sets up that expectation of community service that I think hopefully reinvests for the next generation. They'll know how important giving back and, and not taking things for granted.
1: And as a parent, the most, there were two really important things for me that I wanted to do to measure success. One was that my kids would register to vote on Very the day good, that yes. they turned eighteen and they did without me nice, saying a word. They work. couldn't wait. <laughs> and then the other thing is to have that spirit of philanthropy. Mm-hmm. And and I'm so proud to say that my children and my grandchildren They know how to give back. Even if we don't have a lot, you can give a little bit, and you can always give of your time. Absolutely. It doesn't mean check writing. Right. And in many cases, what people need is more of that, sweat Mm -hmm. equity and showing up. Look at Habitat for Humanity. They couldn't do what they do without the scores of volunteers and making a difference. You bet. Let's talk a little bit about sponsorships because we are becoming some way sadly a smaller town. I mean it's true there are we we are I'd like to always think on the rebound our downtown thanks to an anchor of TEP Absolutely. and others it's really looking different. It feels different. It's, there's life down there. There's students down there. There's people like me that go down and want to eat out in all the fun restaurants. So it's happening. Mm-hmm. But sponsorship of events, that kind of money, having been on the, you know, the angel charity end and other board ends, it really matters. And you see the TEP name there a lot. How do you decide... I can't. I don't ever want that job because I'm sure the requests are many. There's never enough money. But what kinds of things are you looking for when you literally just buy a table that matters to the
0: nonprofits? Sure. What kinds of things are go into that decision making? Well, and, and I'm glad that you brought it up because we obviously get asked a lot, and that's lot. wonderful. <laughs> we we love the opportunity because a lot of times we learn about things we wouldn't know about until until someone approaches us. Um, and, and does that go to you now? Is it funneled to you pretty much? Right. Which is great because then you're seeing the volume and the kinds of things that are coming in. Well, and that's exactly what I was going to mention is that so we're able to fund about one in seven requests that we get that gives you the the idea of the amount of volume. Speaks to the demand. That that we have. So again, it, it does go through that You know, it's got to be in our service territory. It's got to be, you know, we try to, especially for sponsorships, see if we can get it in those three areas. So it's low income community assistance, education and the environment. Um, And then it's just, uh, you know where, what? Do we really feel? You know, there some things that we have started to encourage our nonprofit partners that we won't fund, so that we may be able to fund other things. Whereas we know a lot of nonprofits may, scons- may sponsor things like golf tournaments because it helps them raise money. Um, for their, their activities. What we've really tried to do is talk with our nonprofit partners and say, if we were to give you a corporate contribution, not to get our name on a T-box or one of those other, right. we would love to find a way where we can work with you so that that money goes directly towards programs and that there may be other companies who want the opportunity to be at that golf tournament or at that luncheon, really for us, it's how can we give you the money that you need to do your programs? So when... I could just scream with joy. (laughs) I really can, because that's good
1: on so many levels, and I don't mean to interrupt the flow, but to me, having been on that end, if you do that, the need for all these fundraisers that after you've been to as many as you and I have been to it would be so much better to support the programs, be able to put staff energy and efforts into delivering the services and not having to do a fundraiser of the month club. Absolutely. It's really tough. It is really tough. So that shift is one that I welcome Mm -hmm. because these events cost money to put on. They use your board.
0: They need volunteers. Well, and usually their margins are so small. Yes. It's shocking. It's shocking. And I think if people really, and a really good executive director for a nonprofit will look at... The amount of time and resources that go into putting on these events, and really say, is this how we want to invest our our, our time and our staff resources, or can we really go and work with our uh, our major donors and our, our corporate you know uh, partners and say, is there a better way to do this? And I think our nonprofits are getting incredibly smarter with that. And I also think that we are in such an incredible different time of change with how people give. Yes. And you look at an organization like Tom's where... I just had this discussion um, at a breakfast group meeting the other day of how do you, uh, you know, you know, engage in the different kind of millennial community, which is very me-focused, but they're also very community-focused and and, uh, very focused and very focused on the environment, very focused on the environment, very focused on the environment because they've had a curated life, their whole life, they've, things have been customized. They their Pandora or their Spotify is exactly the music that they want. They can go tune into exactly the TV channel that they want. They have all this. Very very specified kind of meat-generated things, but I also find them to be much more worldly and much more caring in their consumer purchases about what impact it has on the environment and what impact does it have on our community. So I think there's a, a good dynamic balance there between being focused on what they feel their needs are, and a part of that includes how does it affect our world.
1: And we have such an active millennial Groups we do. I mean, there are 40 under 40. There are groups that are doing wonderful things downtown. I know El Rio Community Health, they're involved in my friend Brenda Goldsmith, the stuff that they're doing and the downtown party that they have every year. It's growing and people want to go. And I think you hit a good point. Everybody wants to know how to engage the millennials. They're going to be the next force. The baby right. boomer boomers are getting old. They give in different ways. They buy in different ways. And I know it's going to be important for businesses to know what does the millennial want and figuring that out and meeting them because they're going to be a force. And even then, I was with, in a conversation this morning about what will their children want? What kind of values? Mm. Because you're right, things are changing the landscape is changing okay. so fast. Well, and and I also how do you th- keep
0: up with it? You bet. And I also think social media it plays such a different role. Whereas oh. now you can go online and make a contribution. There's so much more access to the information that a nonprofit or community partner can provide. Uh, we have uh, you know the Gives Day coming up here, Arizona Gives Day. Arizona Gives Day is coming up. I think it's April 5th, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it's a Tuesday. Um, yes, it's April 5th. April 5th. So, and we're actually involved with that. We actually worked with the Arizona. Alliance for Nonprofit to put some funding behind uh, the pool of organizations to help get the word out a little bit more. So we also take a big portion of and feel it's our responsibility as a good corporate partner, not just to fund individual nonprofits and the good works that they do, but how do we help the nonprofits do their work better and do capacity building? So when we can work with organizations like the Arizona Alliance for Nonprofit uh, and how their Arizona Gives Day, that also helps them with their bottom line.
1: It does. It's all keeping it going. And, you know, we we don't have a lot of time left, but I have to talk about two things. One is... The grants that make a difference, I want to talk about that, but we cannot get off the air without talking about my favorite program, I admit it, is the TEP Raptor Protection Program. You bet. I am a hawk lover. We have them in our backyard almost every day in the fountains, and it's just, it's a beautiful aspect of Tucson because they're everywhere. You bet. And we love them, and... Let, which do you want to do first, grants that make a difference or the Raptor Protection well, let's Program? let's talk about the
0: Raptor Protection Program, just mostly because I think it, many people will find it interesting whether you're in southern Arizona or no matter, you're, yes. no matter where you are, is that TEP, um, years and years ago, when they started the Raptor Program, it came from someone who worked in our transmission and distribution area who noticed that there were large birds of prey that were coming into contact with our electrical equipment and getting, uh, you know, and, and not surviving. And they took it upon themselves to say, how how can we protect our electrical equipment so that we 're not because of the wingspan of the birds we 're keeping them out of harm 's way you know twenty years later now we have an award winning program many many electric companies across the United States and really around the world have modeled their birds of prey protection program on TEP's model, which is uh, we work directly with the University of Arizona and the school, uh, Bill Mannion's group, the School of uh, Natural Resources, to have um, scientists who go out in the field, if they're reported that they've seen birds on electrical equipment, they'll have a scientist come out, especially look look if there's a nesting site that's there. Right. They will then bring out our... Um, our equipment that we have to try to protect it and put alternate perch locations for those birds to be able to have you know that high vantage point for their hunting and all of the things that those beautiful big birds uh, you know that they need or their their nesting site to keep them out of TEP's uh, equipment. Now there's a twofold benefit to that. Not only like you said, do we love those birds and they're kind of the signatory. Uh, yes, so keep, it's our it's right, our birds, right? And our <laughs> our uh, you know work that we do with the Audubon. Society and the Tucson Wildlife Center so that if there is an interaction, uh, we've got some resources to to hopefully keep those birds healthy. But it also, it it doesn't uh, allow outages to happen on the system because typically, um, if there's some kind of incident, then there's going to be an outage that's related to it. So at first, I believe, as most things do in the corporate world, it began with a dollar rationale for why it was in our own best interest to protect our equipment. Right. But once we started to get the credibility and the national recognition from the environmental community yes. and knowing there's a part and I love because our CEO uh, Dave Hutchins says this all the time sometimes it's just the right thing to do Yes, and, and yes. that's where we looked at that and said we can take a leadership role and we can make a difference so let's figure out a way to have a program and now they actually manufacture where before it just was guys out in the uh, field trying to protect their lines now we have a great system an award winning system in place to protect our birds that matters the most to me so Everybody, we're wrapping it up. We Time flies when you're having fun
1: and getting excited about all these things. You can find more information simply by going to TEP.com. Wendy, this was great. We could have done another hour. Everybody, our national show on Saturday, Greg Watson, Director of Policy and System Design for the Cuba U.S. Agroecology Network. And on April 26th, our our DTE show will be featuring someone from our newest partner, Tucson Medical Center. Thanks, Wendy. It was a great show. Make it a great green week, everybody.